السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ اٹس ٹوینٹیسپونڈنگ And me, your host, Musa Akudi, and our honorable guest all the way from Pakistan live, Sheikh Kamaluddin Ahmed. Alhamdulillah, we have a very wonderful program that comes to you on Laylatul Jumu'ah. Uh, my engineer signaled to me that we have our Sheikh online. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum as And how are you this evening, Sheikh? Alhamdulillah. Mashallah, Sheikh. Sheikh, what is the topic that you're going to be discussing tonight for our listeners? Uh, well, tonight I was thinking that it's been some time uh, for the past several weeks I've been talking about things that are very practical. And uh, earlier on in the year, uh, there were a few talks that we gave talking a bit more about the theory of the soul, mm-hmm. because I feel that many people uh, don't understand that theory. Mm-hmm. And I feel sometimes when we look at that theory in its fullest form, even though it may be something that's completely far from our reach given our current spiritual state, but when we look at the theory of Wilayat of the Oliya and we look at the Maqam of the Oliya, then we really understand the power of the Deen of Islam and what level of spirituality exists, even if it is something that is more of theory or practice. So today I want to talk about one particular aspect of that theory, which is the concept of the Asma'ul Husna and the Marifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as it pertains to the Asma'ul Husna. That will be a very, very dynamic, dynamic topic, Sheikh. Jazakallah, Sheikh. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadahi al-lazeen astafa amma ba'd. Fa'udu billahi min ash-shaytan al-rajimi bismillah al-rahman al-rahim. Walillahi al-mathal al-a'la. وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ سُبْحَانَ رَبِّكَ رَبِّ الْعِزَّةِ أَمَّا يَسِفُونَ وَسَلَامٌ عَلَى الْمُرْسَلِينَ وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ اللهم صلي على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran al-Kareem has mentioned in different places in the Quran that there is nothing at all that bears the likeness or the missile, nothing is in any way resembling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nothing bears the likeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's nothing that is his missile in any way. And when we talk about this notion of the small husna, many times people have this misconception that in some way we are, our attributes that we have are in somehow a missile or somehow resemble or have bear a likeness to the attributes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself has. And in fact, to make this clear, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٌ That there is nothing at all in the universe, nothing at all in existence, that is even the missile or even the likeness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And elsewhere then, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explained this in another ayah of the Qur'an by saying, وَلِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs, and sometimes we say this in English, to Him belongs the sublime, sublimeness. To Him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs this lutf, that He is al-latif, that only and only uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone can have anything that is like or resemblant to Him. And there comes this misconception that people have about the 99 names of the Asma'ul Husna. So in two, three different places in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions 
his Asma'ul Husna, that he has these 99 names. And one thing that we must do is we must try to learn about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to know him as he has revealed himself to be, to know him as he wishes himself to be known. And a problem that many of us have, especially the Muslims in any part of the world, whether the Muslim world or the Western world, but who are, uh, quote-unquote, educated in uh, the Western sciences, and especially really in the Western liberal arts and social sciences, is that we start to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala based on our own rationality, based on our own personality, instead of first diving deep into the pearls of revelation and thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as He wants us to think about Him, knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as He wishes to be known, as He has revealed Himself to be. And the best starting point for that is to look at the Asmal Husna. And different ulama in the history of Islam have written books on this topic. Uh, most uh, particularly for tonight's talk is a book written by Imam Al-Ghazali on explaining and explicating these nine nine names. And this book again is available, uh, and I mentioned this once before in the previous program, is available both in Arabic, Urdu, and English. In this book, Imam Ghazali mentions some really incredible things. Uh, and even in, the, in this book at one point he even quotes what is widely held to be a sheikh because he quotes this person in several different of his writings and that is Khaja Abu Ali Al-Fan who is actually a sheikh from our own uh, spiritual line that we belong to. In this Imam Ghazali talks about this notion that Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa said in the hadith that we should adorn ourselves, we should characterize ourselves, that we should adorn ourselves with the khuluk, with the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And a law, uh, as commentary has been done on this, that what exactly does this mean, and how have the mashayikh of the Sof train a person to do this. So the first thing to understand is that we can never really understand the nature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as Allah knows himself to be, to comprehend, to understand, to imagine, to conceptualize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he himself knows himself to be is not possible for us ever and far from it that it would be possible in this world. And an example of that would be that there are some things that you can know by experiencing their reality and there's some things that you can know just by imagining it or comparing it with something that is like it. And we can never know and experience the reality of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as only He Himself knows what His hakikat is. So the absolute true hakikat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is known only and only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What at best we can do is to develop a tasawwur of Allah, a tasawwur of ilahi, a concept of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in ourself, in our qalb, in our heart, in our mind, that is a type of imagining, conceptualizing, that is comparing it. And that, you know, the way we can sort of understand that is, just to give you an example of Jahannam. So a person can never really know the hakikat of Jahannam unless they experience it. Now what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done in the Qur'an al-Karim is to describe that Jahannam by using a likeness. So, for example, if we were to say that it's a place of heat or a place of suffering. Now, we will never know the hakikat of the heat of Jahannam. And may Allah Ta'ala save each and every one of us from ever experiencing it, even for the fraction of a second. But unless somebody experiences its reality, just by a description, 
although they may be able to imagine it, they may be able to have some concept of it, they won't really know. We will not really know. We can't saying the word heat, suffering, sadness, sorrow. None of those words can capture the hakikat of jahannam. They can just capture an approximation of that. Just, but nonetheless, Allah subhanahu wa has used those descriptions because Allah subhanahu wa wants us by analogy, by comparison, by inference to have a concept of Jannah. Or we can use another example which is more optimistic and more hopeful and more positive, that of Jannah, that, and, and Allah subhanahu wa says this in the Quran, that it has wonders that no one can imagine, the like of which no eye has ever seen and no mind has ever imagined. But nonetheless, Allah Subhanahu wa describes Jannah to us in different ways. Now, if I was to use such words in the English language, that it would be bliss, it would be pleasure, it would be contentment. All of these words are descriptions, but they can't capture the hakikat of Jannah. Only the Ahl Jannah, when they enter into Jannah, when they're existing in Jannah, when they experience that falah, that surur, that bliss, that happiness, that itminan, that sukun, that contentment, serenity, it's only when they experience it that they will really understand what it is. But for the time being, these are descriptions, these are placeholders, these are markers. So just like that are the asmal husna. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa even called them asma. Every ism is a name. And the name is actually a pointer, a marker, an indicator, representative of a sifat, of an attribute to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And because we can't completely understand his sifat, and just like we can't completely understand his zat or his essence, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used an ism, a name, as a representation, as a notation to guide us to some approximation, some imagining, some way of understanding it. And so this is why many times we say that we also understand Allah subhanahu wa through negation and formation, through nafi and ispat, through tashbih and through tanzi, through that he is a likeness of something, but then he is also munazza, he is free from any such imagining, he is free from all flaws, all defects. So this is the way of imagining. Now this way of imagining Allah subhanahu wa is obviously nakas. It is inadequate. The common way of understanding Allah is close to us because we cannot understand Allah as He understands Himself to be. So the only way that is open to us is some type of nakis or inadequate or partial understanding of Allah subhanahu And the mistake that people make sometimes is that they try to understand Allah's attributes as a likeness of our attributes. And, you know, people, and they think that we can only know Allah by way of knowing ourselves. And I'll give you an example of this, that people say that um, when we hear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-knowing. So what do we do? We look at ourselves, and we think that, well, what is human knowledge? And what would it mean for us to be all-knowing? Now, what we do is instead of trying to understand that in the way Allah subhanahu wa revealed that in different ayat of the Qur'an and the way that the Prophet has mentioned that and described that in different ahadith, instead what we do is we look at ourselves first. And we try to understand Allah subhanahu wa by way of analogy with our own selves. And we think that we know Him by way of knowing ourselves. And... For example, so we said that we were to know everything, that means we would know the past, the present, and the future. And therefore, if Allah knows everything, it means Allah knows the past, present, and future. And then that leads into people having all types of misconceptions, which make them think that there's no such thing as free will. 
But the reality is, is that Allah's attributes are too exalted to be likened to ours in anywhere. And all of these imaginings and resemblances always remain inadequate. So what we need to do, and this is where the soul comes in and adds to the ilm, is that what we need to do is we have to complement and add and supplement to whatever our knowledge is about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala denies any likeness, He denies any resemblance, we reject any grounds for any analogy between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what Imam Muzazai has mentioned in another one of his works called Al-Salafi Biyana Marifatullah, that that is impossible for anyone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to truly know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in fact, it's impossible for anyone other than a Nabi to truly know what Nabuat is. That we can describe that, that revelation comes, wahi comes, etc. But just like only a Nabi, only a Nabi really knows what it means to be a Nabi. Just like that, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really can know and understand uh, his own divinity, his own zat, his own attributes, his own sifat, etc. Now, the ultimate point of knowledge then, what we call the manifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, actually lies in their ids. In other words, the ultimate knowability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lies in knowing that Allah is ultimately unknowable. And this was the most important thing that the Mashaikh of the Sawas mentioned and taught, which was this eternal doctrine of Farq, that there's a distinction and a separation between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's an unbridgeable gap. Qurb and Rasul do not bridge that gap. Allah is Allah and Makhluk is Makhluk, and there is no Wahdat in their wujud. They cannot be one in terms of their existence, but rather that is just a perception that is the shahood that people have. And true manifat, again, true intimate knowledge of Allah Spanta, the height of manifat, lies in our knowing that Allah is unknowable. So that person truly knows Allah when they know that Allah Ta'ala is ultimately unknowable. Not entirely unknowable, but much Allah has revealed Himself. And we can know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sufficiently, adequately, and indeed amazingly, based on how He has revealed Himself to be, but the ultimate knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ultimately unknowable. And this is what Imam Ghazal explains, that marifat equals ids. In fact, ayna marifat is ayna ids, and ayna ids is ayna marifat. Ids means our incapability, our inability to know. And that was what was supposed to humble us. And sometimes people in Urdu call humility adzi. Actually, adzi didn't mean humility. Adzi literally, lexically means inability. An inability to completely know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that was what was supposed to humble the human being. That led to humility. The asr of ids, the effect of true ids and inability, is to have humility. And they were humbled before the all might and majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As I mentioned that first ayah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs the muscle of Allah. To him belongs an incredible muscle, the sublime sublimity. And he is Aziz and Hakim. He is beyond anything that we can imagine, beyond anything. And this is why Nabi Akrim Salsam used to say that Allah ta'ala, I cannot praise you. You are as you have praised yourself. Because you alone know your hakikat, and therefore you alone know what type of hamd would befit your hakikat. So when even Nabi Kareem sallallahu said this, it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, when English we say is a transcendental being, 
when Arabic would say, Hu he was above and beyond, above and beyond, above and beyond. Mm-hmm. On the other side, however, that we will find that there is this something called marifat. Mm-hmm. And beings have darajat in this marifat. So the angels, the malaika, the anbiya, the awliya differ. And the awam and nas differ in respect of their marifat and their knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what we're talking about here is this marifat that has a cap, that has a border, which is that it's. So there are some people who may not even know the names, the words of the Smal Husna. There will be some people who know the words. There will be some people who know the words and the meanings. There will be some people who know the words and the meanings and the subtleties. And the meanings and subtleties lie in understanding for each of the Smal Husna in what sense that attribute, the height of that attribute, actually only and only belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In what sense can we understand the meaning, let's say, of al-malik or al-malik, that Allah alone can have that meaning, that meaning befits Allah alone. Secondly, when we understand that meaning, then we will understand how we are supposed to be abdul-malik or abdul-malik, how we should uh, plot or how we should understand our servitude and slavehood. Uh, how you should plot uh, your servitude and slavehood, how we should submit to this attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That him being al-malik, what type of subservience and submission does that command of us, what type of servience and submission should we do in respect to that attribute. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly comes, what Nabi Muhammad said that in that hadith, and that in what sense can we be al-malik? Mm-hmm. So for example, Imam Ghazali, when he discusses these names, and, and he gives what he calls nasiha, or counsel, or advice for this third part. And mm-hmm. so he says that being al-malik means that being who is free from all want and need, mm-hmm. and that everything is needy and dependent on him. Mm-hmm. And so no human can ever be al-malik in that sense. There's no way that we can be free of need of everything. In fact, we are completely needy. Allah subhanahu wa says in Quran, Ya antumul illallah, that, O oh, humanity, you are entirely needy and dependent and muhtaj of Allah subhanahu wa But what we can do is what we can negate needs of ghairullah. So a person can become, have a share or a likeness, mm. a completely nakis, fractional, mm. shadow, reflection of this attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the sense that we are beyond needs of this world. Mm. So Allah ta'ala is beyond needs of everything mm. and we can make ourselves beyond needs of all ghairullah. And that is a way, for example, he says that a person is supposed to be like this. And the second way he says is that a person, al-malik, means to be the sovereign. And a person should have sovereignty over their nafs, sovereignty of their limbs, their organs, their senses. And to use that sovereignty to make their whole being, their qalb, their heart, their nafs, their senses submit entirely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in that sense they become a king. They're a king over their nafs. Mm-hmm. They're a king over their eyes. Mm-hmm. They're a king over their bodies. Mm-hmm. They're a king over their emotions. Mm-hmm. They're a king over their thoughts. Mm-hmm. And it's in that sense that the Prophet meant that we should adorn ourselves with the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, here, uh, there have been some mashayikh in tasawwuf. Uh, and this is a bit of a long topic, and I'll start it, but I may have to finish it next time. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to explain some of these statements, because many times people ask about these concepts that they've heard, that what about Mansur al-Halaj, who said an al-Haq, what about so-and-so, who said such-and-such. 
So when you look at the Mashiach, they have basically three types of statements that they've made. One is a statement which I will call a statement of the wise, but is sometimes understood metaphorically by those who are immature. And so a sheikh may say something, and a person may interpret that symbolically, metaphorically, figuratively, Mm -hmm. and they may misunderstand that when they interpret it figuratively. Mm -hmm. And an example of that which Imam al-Khazan gives is a saying by Hazrat Shaykh Abu Ali al-Farmadi that he said, that his own Shaykh said, that the Asma'al Husn, the 99 names, become attributes of the servant, attributes of the Abd, following the Tariqah, while he is still on the way and has not yet arrived. Now, what this means on its face value, if it was taken literally, this would be exactly what the Prophet had said to do, that a person should try to adorn themselves with some resemblance, some likeness of these attributes. Mm-hmm. But a person can also figuratively misunderstand this expression. They may take a certain latitude when interpreting this expression, and they may try to think that a person actually gets the attributes of Allah, mm-hmm. or becomes like Allah. Mm-hmm. So that is a mistake. That's not possible. Mm-hmm. So some things that we have is that there are statements of the wise that the unwise took latitude in interpreting them, and they took all types of figurative interpretations of them. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that is definitely wrong, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is such a being that nobody can get the very attributes of Allah, and nobody can even get a perfect likeness of the attributes of Allah. Mm-hmm. All we can get, again, is an inadequate, partial reflection of those attributes. Mm-hmm. Another mistake some people made was they had this concept of ittihad. They felt that by adorning themselves with the attributes of Allah SWT, a person becomes wahid with Allah, becomes one with Allah, has some type of wahdat with Allah. That's absolutely impossible. Mm-hmm. It is not possible that any human being can become one with the divine being in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Secondly, is sometimes that the wise do use statements mm-hmm. themselves figuratively. And the reason for that is simply to enhance the understanding that a person has who listens to those words, mm-hmm. words to make those words have a more powerful impact mm-hmm. on the heart of people. Mm-hmm. And we will see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also uses the zarbal muscle, uses kinaya, uses allegory, metaphor, simile, etc. in the Qur'an al-Karim. And some human beings have done that as well from amongst the wives. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Imam Zayman says another Sheikh of ourselves, Sheikh Abu Yazid al Bistamir and he said that I have worked on myself and cast off all of the appetites and desires of my nafs, just like a snake cast off its skin. Mm-hmm. And I looked and I beheld myself, and I am He, or I am the desires of Allah. I am whom I desire, and the one I desire is I. Now, this was a figurative statement. Mm-hmm. And what this meant was, is not to be taken literally, it was meant to be taken figuratively. What Sheikh Abu Yazid Bastamitha meant by that is that he, when he had eliminated all of his own desires and wishes, mm-hmm. and he had made now, emptied himself of all of his own personal desires and wishes, mm-hmm. what he was left with was the wishes and desires of Allah subhanahu So he meant that what is my irada is nothing other than what is Allah's irada now. I only wish to do what Allah has wished and willed. I have no desire, inclination, yearning, longing for anything 
but it's impermissible. And therefore, he meant that if you look at my desires, you will find only the desires that are Allah's desires. If you look at my irada, you will only find what is Allah's irada. And in that sense, right, he meant that I am what I desire. Now, that was a statement that he was saying figuratively, but others took it literally. So the first mistake was sometimes the wise say something literally and people take it figuratively. Second was that the wise say something figuratively and people take it literally. The other way around. Mm-hmm. And this led to certain misconceptions. The third thing, third is that somebody who is not of the wise mm-hmm. says something. Mm-hmm. And it, that is a mistake that they make. And this is what in Arabic we call the shatahat, or sometimes called the shatuhat, means utterances that a person made when they were in a state of spiritual ecstasy. And this has been a handful of a people. We're talking two to three people in the entire history of this ummat. Mm-hmm. This ummat has had billions of billions, tens of billions. Tens of billions of Muslims have lived in 1,400 years, and two or three have made this error. And therefore, there should not be an excuse to toss the self out or to say that I don't know. The self is a path fraught with difficulty and danger. Don't you see what Halad said? When two or three out of billions of Muslims make a mistake, that is not any uh, type of statistic to leave something. Mm-hmm. And this is the famous statement of uh, Al-Halad when he said, An-Al-Haq. And this is what happened with the way now Imam Rabbani Sheikh Ahmed Sir Hindi explains this in his Maktubat. He says that these people were Nakis and Wilayat. They didn't have Kamil Wilayat. They were not complete in their journey. And they reached a stage in which their perception, and it was a naive perception, it was an incorrect perception, but their perception was that they were the same as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then they would call that Wahdatul Wajud. And Imam Ghazali explains this, and he uses a brilliant example, that the Christians had the same problem. And because of their naivete, and they, because of their love for Sayyidina Isa al-Islam, and because of their perception of certain lordly attributes, right? That you should become Rabwali, you should become people of the Rab. So when they saw these sublime attributes in Sayyidina Isa al-Islam, they thought, that that was some share of divinity and then they began to think that he is God and that was a mistake that they made so just like the Christians made this mistake right Mansur al-Halaj made this mistake momentarily Imam al says at a moment and it wasn't a statement of Aqidah of his it was not a statement of theology but it was a utterance he made as an expression of a certain feeling he had at that moment uh, and as we all know, he recanted from that himself, uh, but nonetheless, he was sentenced to death due to apostasy uh, by his own sheikh, Imam Janayn al-Baghdadi. Mm-hmm. Now, this notion of ittihad and halul and all of that, Allah subhanahu transcends that, because he is al-Quddus. He is sacred, he is transcendent, he is beyond any resemblance, mm-hmm. any complete resemblance, complete likeness, let alone anything that is rare to him becoming one with him, anything that is rare to him becoming united with him, all of that is finished. Mm-hmm. Now, the last part of that statement, by the way, of Hajj Abu Lufam, that happens to a person on the way and not when they arrived. What it means is that being on the way, being on the tariqa, was viewed as when that stage, when a person is focused and occupied on their own self, with islah of their nafs, 
with reformation of their being, their character, with islah of their qalb, with reformation and purification of their heart, with amal, with actions, with making us themselves a person of action. So in that initial stage of the soul, which for most of us now lasts a lifetime, it is the stage of islah and tazkiyah, that a person is concerned with the reformation and is completely aware of themselves and is always trying to occupy themselves in ibadat and external and interior ibadat and trying to refine their character. All of that is geared to purity and purification. Once a person, if a person is successful in that, once a person is successful in their Islam and their Tazkiyah, and then naturally they continue with all of those ibadat, but now their focus becomes, instead of themselves, their focus becomes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the transition they make, that is what is called fanal tasawwuf. And that fanal lies in them stripping themselves of their own self-awareness and devoting all of their awareness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is what is meant by qurb and wasl. And so wasl doesn't mean that they become, and this notion of arriving or attainment, doesn't mean that they become one with Allah, but they arrive at the stage where all of their focus now is on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is sort of uh, an aspect, or this is a way that a person can understand this term of wilayat. And a wali is that person then who has done their islah, done their tizkiyah, has purified themselves of all attachments and loves of ghairullah, purified themselves of everything that is unlawful, of unlawful action, unlawful emotion, unlawful speech, unlawful thoughts. And after that, Islam, Tazkiyah, now it's almost like you can imagine, I've given this example before as well in this program, that a person with a dirty glass, they keep cleaning the glass, cleaning the glass, so when they're doing that, all of their focus is on the glass. Once the glass is completely, perfectly clean, now all of their focus is on what is to be put in the glass, that love for Allah subhanahu wa that mayit with Allah subhanahu wa that kurb with Allah subhanahu wa so their focus is no longer on the glass at all. Mm-hmm. And their focus is entirely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what a wali is. That person who has submitted themselves to the Quran, Sunnah, and Sharia, and has worked on themselves and has been focused on themselves to bring about that submission, and through that submission they get that liberation. That that person who lowers themselves to Allah, Allah subhanahu wa raises them, and raises them means that now Allah subhanahu wa makes them focused on Him makes them directed on Him. So after we are focused on purifying ourselves, then our focus becomes on attaining the love for Allah. And everything we do is based on out of that love. And this is, uh, you know, and this is the more correct and more proper way to understand what it means to try to adorn ourselves with an inadequate likeness or resemblance of these attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable us to have some fraction of the reliance of the awliya, may he enable us to have some, adorn ourselves with the nobilities of his attributes, may he place in us a mercy, a compassion, a generosity, a forbearance, etc. All of those things, may he make us as he wished us to be, and may he enable us to know him as he has revealed himself to be known. Jazakallah, Honorable Sheikh. That was really interesting where the Sheikh mentioned we must arrive at the stage where there is a complete focus in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And 
uh, where the Sheikh had mentioned Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sayings that I cannot praise you, O Allah, you are as you have praised yourself. So we are unable to conceptualize Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. But Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala is the greatest. Inshallah, Allah Sheikh is going to be terminating this program with a dua. And then Inshallah, Allah Aziz, from uh, 8 o'clock we'll have the next program. Jazakallah, Sheikh. You, can, you may proceed with the dua. Surely you are the most exalted, the most transcendent, the most amazing of beings. Ya Allah, we do an injustice to you even when we speak about you and your grandeur, your attributes. But Ya Allah, you we too wish to know you as you wish to be known. We too wish to love you as you deserve to be loved. We wish to we too wish to be close to you as you are close and intimate with us. We ask that you enable us and grant us all of these things Amen. only and only out of your mercy, Amen. only out of your rahmah, only out of your karam, only out of your generosity. Ya Allah, we too wish to be people of Islam. We too wish to be people of Tuskiyah. We wish to purify our heart for your sake and for your pleasure. We wish to eliminate from the core of our being every single thought and wish and desire of sin. Ya Allah, Amen. we ask. Accept us for this path of Tazkiyah. Accept us for this path of Islam. Allah, we ask you that you are the Muzakki Hakiki. You are the truest of purifiers. Ya Allah, we ask that you cast a gaze of mercy onto our heart. That you purify our heart and our being of all of our fanciful notions, of all of our delusions, of all of our sins, of all of our depressions. Ya Allah, we ask that you enable us to submit perfectly and completely to the Quran, Sunnah, and Sharia.